0: Well, turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 20, we continue, of course, our study of the Gospel of Luke. And Luke presents Jesus as the perfect man; he's the Messiah, the Savior, and the King. He has entered Jerusalem for that last time, offering himself—really, the last time that he offered himself as the King. He rode into the city on on a donkey, fulfilling Zechariah 9:9. And of course, the opposition is going to continue. It's going to end up resulting in his arrest, his trials, and his crucifixion. Jesus Christ will go to the cross and die and rise again, paying for our sin and conquering death. This final week of his life, he's going to be teaching in the temple area. We're going to see the religious leaders are coming to him, and they're challenging him. They're confronting him. They want him dead. They do not believe in him as Messiah and Savior. They would like to discredit him if they could. They want to hand him over to the Romans. In fact, in Luke chapter 20, verse 20 says that they, they were trying to catch him, trying to trick him so that they could deliver him to the rule and the authority of the governor. Jesus has been showing his authority. He has cleansed the temple. He is teaching daily, and he has given out the gospel message last time we saw a parable jesus gave the parable and he taught about the rejection of the nation of israel and the religious leaders and of course the religious leaders understood immediately they know he's talking about them they were very upset about it they wanted him dead in fact we saw that last we'll see in our very first verse this morning that it said they understood the parable was against them well this morning two more confrontations we're going to see two things first of all here's what we'll see you can go ahead and go to the next slide. Two more confrontations. We're going to see two issues: taxes and resurrection. That's what he's going to. They're going to come to him and they're going to say, "Should we pay taxes?" And then another group's going to come and basically try to trick him to say that there's no resurrection and those kind of things. And we're going to see the authority of Jesus as he as he uh, just meets these people head on, and it's a very powerful thing. Let me begin with this: Are we to obey? The laws of our government. Almost every one of us say, well, of course we are. As Christians, were to come under the laws of the government. Romans 13 says, submit to the authorities that are ordained by God. We know that we obey the laws unless the laws of the government are contrary to the word of God. Because we always obey God rather than men. One of the areas that people always fuss about, always gripe about, is the area of taxes. I mean, nobody in this room would like to pay taxes. We don't go, well, somebody's got to pay them, but it wasn't us. We don't want to. Understand that at the time of Jesus, the Jewish people were under huge, they were under the authority of the Roman government and the tax burden was very heavy. Let me un- let you understand something. For the normal Jewish person, 10%, this is in his payment to the temple, he had to give 10% every year for the priest and 10% every year for the temple itself. So he gave 20% of his income away just to the temple. That was not counting his free will offerings. Every third year, he gave 30%. So on a normal year, he would give 20% away to the temple, not counting his offerings. At the same time, under the Roman government, they were taking about 30% of his income. So a normal person was giving away, basically, at that time, they were under 50% of taxation. The Jews hated the Romans. They hated paying the tax of the Romans. They didn't want to be under the Romans. They hated the tax collectors who took up the money. Many of the tax collectors were Jewish well, this morning we're going to see the religious leaders come to Jesus and they're going to try to trick him. They're going to try to trap him. they got a question as concerning taxes. And the question is, should they pay taxes to Rome? They don't know how he's going to answer, but they think they got him either way. Because if he says yes or no, they think they've got him. How does Jesus answer? It's not what they expected. Well, let's begin. We'll get into the passage. This is the last week of Jesus' life before he goes to the cross, before he dies for our sins and, and, and rises again and conquers death. And he's been teaching in the temple. He's been proclaiming the gospel. He's been showing his authority. His message is that he indeed is the Savior and the and the Messiah. He has shown his authority. Religious leaders are hating him. And it's just getting worse and worse. We know that the whole ministry of Christ was about three to three and a half years. This last part of it has gotten worse and worse. The closer he's got to Jerusalem, the more the confrontations have come. He's now entered Jerusalem. We saw just several weeks ago he entered coming into the city, went into the temple area, cleansed the temple, and then every day he's going to the temple to teach. They hate him, but the people are listening to everything. In fact, at the end of chapter 19, the very last passage in verse 48 says, the people were hanging on every word that he said. So it's really powerful. And, and so Jesus is teaching, the people are listening The religious leaders don't like him And we saw last time that Jesus Let me, let me get you this idea It's Passover time, they're just a few days away from Passover Jesus is going to die on Passover 14th day of the first month It's just about Passover time People have come from all over Israel to Jerusalem So when Jesus is coming into Jerusalem There are all kinds of people there When he goes to the temple every day There are people there from all over And so as these religious leaders are coming up to him To confront him And he deals with him, There are all these people listening. We saw last week that they confronted him and he he got them and then he turned to the crowd and he taught a parable to all the people. So everybody heard this. And now we're going to see that after that parable, they got really mad because it was about them. They knew it. The religious leaders knew it showed that they had rejected the Messiah. That's what the parable was about. And so they are very upset. They would like to get him killed. In fact, if they had a way, they would kill him. They want to turn him over to the Romans and the Romans kill him. That's their plan. This morning, as we continue, we're going to see some more confrontations. We're going to see two of them. Let me give you an idea. Let me show you the five confrontations that we've seen in this section. The first one is they came to Jesus and said, How do you have authority to teach and to heal? Because he had just cleansed the temple, ran everybody out, was healing people and teaching, and they came up and questioned him there. Last week, we saw the parable of the vineyard, which had to do with confrontation because he's showing the religious leaders have rejected him. This morning, we're going to see two things. We're going to see number three and number four. We're going to see the issue of... Of taxes because they come to him and say, should we pay taxes to Rome? And then the fourth one has to do with resurrection. And some Sadducees come, and we'll talk about who they are in a minute. And they raise the question about resurrection, and we'll see that. And then the last thing, we'll see it next week, where Jesus actually asks them a question. He questions about the son of David, how all that fits together. So there's some great things we're going to see not only this week but next week as well. But let's see the two confrontations this morning. Let me remind you that the, the religious leaders are so upset about that parable, now we can 't grasp it in the same way because we're, we're not you know we 're not there, but let me tell you these people they tried to look good we 're going to see next week that the religious leaders they had these long robes that they wore, they had the best seats in the synagogue, the best seats at all the parties. they were the famous people, and Jesus makes them look foolish they 're coming in and they 're challenging jesus they 're going, "What about this?" and he says something, and they go. Whose who's idea was it to ask him that question? I mean, you know, they just look so bad. And so they hate him and they would love to kill him. And so here's what's going to happen. They're very mad about the parable because the parable showed they have rejected the Messiah and there's judgment coming. That's what it says. So here's the reaction. Look at Luke chapter 20. Look at verse 19. The scribes and the chief priests tried to lay hands on him that very hour and they feared the people. For they understood that he spoke this parable against them. Now, if you notice, it says the scribes and the chief priests. The scribes were the, they were religious leaders. Of course, they knew the law. They were the ones that originally copied the law, but they got where they, they knew it. And so if you had a Bible question, you would go to a scribe and you would say, what does God's word? What does the scripture say? What does, what does Moses teach us? And they would go to the Bible and look at it. The second group that, that's, uh, that's there is the chief priests. The chief priests were usually of the tribe, uh, usually of the sect of the Sadducees. They, uh, they controlled a lot of the religious things. There was the chief priest. There was the high priest. Now, let me tell you something. Originally, the chief priest or the high priest was supposed to have started with Aaron. And then Aaron's oldest son was supposed to be the next priest. And then his oldest son and his oldest son and his oldest son. It was supposed to be passed down that way. By the time of Christ all that's done. The Romans have taken over and the Romans have actually even appointed some of the priests. Now the priests that have been appointed, they're in good shape because the Romans are letting them rule. They got money, they got power, they got position. They're in good shape. They don't want Jesus messing anything up. In fact, we already saw that some of the priests were meeting together and they said, we better do something about Jesus because all these people are following him and and the Romans are going to come take away our position if this keeps up. So they don't like Jesus at all. So you've got the The scribes and the chief priests, very respected by the people, wealthy. It says this, they wanted to lay hands on him that very hour. If they could have, they would get him right then. They would kill him. But it says they feared the people because the people are listening to everything that Jesus said. They knew, as it says here, they understood that he spoke this parable, the one that we saw last week, against them. They were the ones that that, that was in the parable, the ones that rejected the Messiah, and they knew it. Jesus was the cornerstone they rejected. Well, what were they going to do? Well, they, they got a plan. They're going to try to trap him. They feel like if they could get somebody up there, and that's not worked so far, but, you know, they're not going to give up. They think if they can get somebody up there, they can ask him some questions. He might say the wrong thing, and if he says the wrong thing... They can get him in trouble. They can turn him over to the Romans. They, that, they got a plan. So let's see this. Here's the first one today. Is this, the first thing they're going to do is they're going to ask the questions concerning taxes. Look what it says. Look at verse 20. Let's see their plan. So they watched him and sent spies who pretended to be righteous in order that they might catch him in some statement so that they could deliver him to the rule and the authority of the governor. Now they were watching him because they said, look at him. He's over there and he's teaching. Everybody's listening to him. What are we going to do? They said, let's do this. Let's send some spies. To pretend to be righteous. Now, the, the Greek word for spies literally means hired liars. They were liars. They were, they were the pretenders. Notice this says who pretended to be righteous. That Greek word is hypocrite. It's the word we get hypocrite from. It means to be under the mask. They were pretending to play a part. They're going to act like they're nice. In fact, it says they pretend to be righteous. They're going to go and hang around with Jesus and pretend to believe him and to pretend to listen to him, and then they're going to try to trap him in their words. Notice what it says. They pretended to be righteous in order that, now watch, here's the purpose, in order that they may catch him in some statement. That's the plan. See, they're hoping that they would ask Jesus something, and he would say it, and they go, wait a minute, you said that? Okay, that's against the Roman government. We're going to get you in trouble. Or they hoped that he might say something that would be against Jewish people. about the, And they would turn him against the Jewish people. that Or turn the Jewish people against him. That was their plan. So they're going to try to trick him. Notice it says, so that, in order that they might catch him in some statement, here's the results, that they could deliver him to the rule and the authority of the governor. The whole plan is to take him to the Romans and have him killed. Now, here's the question. If they want him killed so badly... Why don't they kill him? Why don't they just get some temple guards? You know, at the, at the temple, there were Jewish soldiers, Jewish soldiers that guarded the temple. They had spears, they had everything. Why don't you just get some of them some night... To go kill him. If he's that big a troublemaker, go kill him. Well, the problem is this. Under Roman law, they didn't have the right to put anybody to death. They couldn't even bring him in and try him and find him guilty and then stone him. Because the Jewish law, if you found somebody guilty of de- you know, doing something to be worthy of death, they could stone them. But under the Roman law, Romans said, no, you can't can't kill anybody. If anybody's going to be killed, we will kill them. So their only hope, really, is to get Jesus, get him arrested, turn him over to the Romans, and the Romans put him to death. That's their plan. So they're going to try to trap him. Let's see what happens. Notice again, so they watched him in sent spies pretending to be righteous in order that they might catch him in some statement so that they would deliver him to the rule and authority of the governor. That's the plan. Well, they come with a question. Now notice, they questioned him saying, Teacher, we know that you speak and teach correctly and that you're not partial to any, but you teach the way of God in truth. Now, they're pretending to be righteous, so they come to flatter him. And I want you to notice what they say. Look at the three things they say. First of all, this is you speak and teach correctly. They actually, they call him teacher and they say, you're you're teaching the right things. Okay, that was that, that was right, but they weren't trying to be right. They were just trying to, to trick him and flatter him. And it says, and you are not partial to any. Literally in the Greek, the word partial means to not receive the face. See, to be partial to somebody is you saw their face and you go, oh, yeah. Oh, no, I like this one more than this one. So to be partial was to receive the face. They said, you're not partial. You you don't You treat everybody the same. That's what they're saying. And that's exactly right. Jesus loves all people. Loves them all. And then they said... And you teach the way of God in truth. You teach the truth of God's word. Now, what they said was right. They didn't mean it. It says they were trying to flatter him. That's what they were doing. They were trying to trick him. Now, let's me let talk about flattery and gossip for just a minute. Here, Flattery and gossip are are basically backwards. Watch this. Gossip is this. Gossip is you'll say something behind somebody's back, but you'd never say it to their face. That's gossip. You'll say, let me tell you about this person, but you wouldn't say that to them. Now, flattery is the opposite. Flattery is what you'll say to the face, but you won't say it behind their back. Because you're lying to them. You're trying to flatter them, but you'd never say that behind their back. They're trying to flatter Jesus. They walked up to him and said, you a great teacher. You teach the Bible. You don't show partiality. You're the best. Now, they don't mean that. That's flattery. They're trying to butter him up. They're trying to let him let his guard down. They're almost thinking that Jesus would go, really? You guys like me? Well, what do you know? Well, let me t- let's, let's talk about some stuff. That's what they're thinking. Maybe he'll let up. But watch their question. They said this, verse 22. Is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Bottom line, should we pay taxes to Caesar? Should we do that? Is it lawful? Is it something for us as Jewish people? Should we give taxes to Caesar? Should we pay the tax? Now, the tax they're talking about is called a poll tax. A poll tax was a citizenship tax. Israel was under the authority of Rome. Now, the Jewish people weren't citizens of Rome. But they had to pay a little tax that was called a poll tax that that showed they were under the authority of Rome. Now, the word actually meant a tribute. And so their question is this. Should we have to pay a tribute to the Romans? Should they pay that poll tax? They could even say this. Listen, we don't worship any god but the true God, and we're not worshiping Caesar, so we're not giving any tribute to Caesar. We're not going to do it. And so the question is, should we pay? Now, a lot of Jewish people, they would say, I don't think it's right that we pay taxes to Rome. Because we hate them, they hate us, we, we don't worship Caesar, we worship the true God. Some other Jews said, well, you know, they, they, they control us, they tell us what to do, it's their money. And so, they didn't know what to say. Most Jewish people hated the Romans and did not want to pay the taxes. Now, they thought they had Jesus because they say, should we pay taxes or not? Now, they're expecting, there's only two answers, right? Yes or no. That's what they're thinking. What if he says yes? Well, if he says yes, he would be hated by the people. Because if he says yes, you ought to pay taxes to Rome, the average person would say, that's ridiculous. We, do, we shouldn't pay taxes to Rome. And so he, they think if he says yes, the people will hate him. But if he says no, you shouldn't pay taxes to Rome, he would be going against the Roman government. That's what they wanted him to say. And so if they did, if he said no, you should not pay taxes, all they have to do is go to the Romans and say, which is what they did say, this man says not to pay taxes. So they think they've got him either way. If he says yes, the people won't like him. If he says no, they can turn him over to the Romans. That's exactly what they want. They're really hoping he'll say no, because then they'll get him. But they didn't expect him to do this. Look at verse 23. But he detected their trickery. And said to them, Now, he, knew, you know, he knows everything, first of all, but it said he detected their trickery. The word trickery is the word for craftiness, it has an evil connotation. You know that there are things that sometimes people do, and you go, You know, that's, that's not exactly right. I mean, it sounds almost right, but it's not exactly right. He detected that what they were doing, he knew that behind what they were doing was trickery, and so he knows it. And so look what he's going to do. And this is not what they're expecting. But he detected the trickery and he said to them, verse 24, Show me a denarius whose likeness and inscription does it have? And they said, Caesar's. Now what he said to them, he's standing there and they say, Should we pay taxes? He says, Show me a denarius. Now a denarius was a coin. It was about a day's wage. If you got up in the morning, this is what a normal person, the normal person would get up. This is a person who didn't have wealth. There was there was there were some very wealthy people, and then there was everybody else, and then there were slaves. The normal guy would get up. He would go go sometimes to the marketplace and look for a job. If he didn't already have one, he would work. At the end of the day, they would give him a Daenerys, one day's wage. He would go buy the marketplace, buy food, and go home and eat. They didn't have refrigerators. They didn't keep food over. You know, they didn't keep all of this. And so a denarius was a day's wage. He said, show me a Daenerys. Now, first of all, just by the fact that they carried Roman money, showed, implied that they're under the authority of Rome. So he said, show me a Daenerys. Every one of them could go, oh, here's one. Where'd you get that, by the way? Where'd you get that coin? Well, that's a Ro- Roman coin. Yeah, it is. Isn't it a Roman coin? Sure is. Should we pay taxes to Rome? What do you got in your hand? And so he said, detected, their, uh, detected their trickery. So he said, show me a Daenerys. Show me this coin. And then he said this Whose likeness and inscription does it have? And they said Caesar's. And so here's this question to them Whose image is on the coin? Whose writing is on the coin? Now on the Daenerys there was a, a Caesar's image. The side part of his face was there, and then on the back side was some writing. And so it was this coin was made in the image of Caesar. Who did it belong to? Caesar. See, if anything's made in the image of something, it belongs to that person. So he's saying to them, tell me, look at this thing. Whose likeness and whose inscription does it have? And they said, "Um, uh, Caesar's. It belonged to Caesar. So then look what he says. And this is the thing that surprised them. And he said to them, verse 25, Then you render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. You give to things that are Caesar that are made in Caesar's image. And you give to God the things that are God's. You give to Caesar the things that are made in his image. That's the coin. The coin's made in his image. Look, what's made in the image of God? We are. He's telling them. He's got the image of Caesar. Give it to Caesar. You got the image of God. Give it to God. He's actually telling them that. So think about it. Look at the next slide here. Give to God the things that are God's. What's made in God's image? What is made in the image of God? We are. Genesis 1, 27, God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. We're made in the image of God. We belong to him. We're marked with God's image. He is saying, you give to Caesar what belongs to him because it's made in his image. And you give to God what belongs to him, which is made in his image. He turned it around on them. And basically said, what goes to the government goes to the government. What goes to God goes to God. Is very powerful because the truth is we are made in the image of the living God. And we belong to him. And what should we do? We should give him our lives. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. We're to give our lives to God because we belong to him. We're made in the image of him. They didn't trap him. He trapped them. They have to admit that who does the money belong to? The government, to Caesar, it's made in his image. Who do they belong to? God. Because they're made in His image. And it's true for every one of us in this room that we know Jesus Christ as Savior. First of all, whether you know Him or not, human beings are made in the image of the living God. But we have trusted in Christ as Savior. We've been bought with a price. We're not our own. Therefore, we're to glorify Him in our lives. We belong to Him. It's very powerful. They couldn't trap Him. You can see Him going, Who's next? Does somebody else want to talk to Him? My gracious. Verse twenty six, they were unable. They were and they were unable to catch him in a saying in the presence of the people. And this happened right in front of all the people. What do you think the people thought? That, you know what they're saying? These religious leaders are pretty stupid. Look what happens to them. Every time they go up to Jesus, they end up looking like idiots. And they do. And so they were unable to catch him in the sayings of the presence of people, being amazed at his answer. The word amazed means to marvel. It means that like, it is like, wow, this is just this, this is unbelievable. And they became silent. They couldn't say anymore. What is the truth here? That what's made in the image of Caesar, the government belongs to the government. What's made in the image of God, that's us. We belong to God. May our lives care for Him. May you realize that you are special and unique. You're made in the image of the living God. And your dream and goal and plan is to serve Him and live for Him. Well, they couldn't stop Him, so they got somebody else coming next group is called the Sadducees. Look at verse 27. Now there came to him some of the Sadducees. They're coming and and they've got a plan. Now let's talk about who are these people? At the time of Jesus Christ there were different sects, different groups. They were like the Herodians and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Essenes and the Zealots. They were all different groups. They all had different ideas, different plans. The ones that you hear about most are the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Pharisees were very legalistic. They held to the scripture. They held to the laws and then they... in Came up with a whole bunch of moral laws. They made them up, and they made them as binding as the scripture. And so they were very legalistic people. The second group, called the Sadducees, which we're going to see here, they were very conservative people. Mostly, they were the wealthy. They were the mostly of the priest, but uh, they only held to this is what they said. They said we only hold to the Torah, the first five books of the scripture. That was their thing. The Pharisees held to the whole Old Testament and all the oral traditions. The Sadducees said, no, no, we don't hold any of that stuff. We only hold the first five books. They did not believe in resurrection. They said that the body will never rise. They also did not believe in angels or supernatural things. This is the group. Now realize that the priest of Israel at the time of Christ did not believe in resurrection or angels. Just think about that. And so here they are. They're going to come to Jesus, and they're going to ask him a question. They didn't like Jesus. You know why? Because he taught about resurrection. John 11:25, 25, I am the resurrection and life. He who believes in me will never die. And if you do that, he's going to be raised from the dead. He said, I'm going to raise him up on the last day. Jesus talked about that. In fact, they saw him and they heard about how he raised the little girl from the dead and how he raised the widow's son from the dead and how he raised Lazarus from the dead. So they don't like Jesus because he's always dealing with resurrection. So they're going to come to him. And this is the second question, and that is the question concerning resurrection. Okay? And so here's what they do. They question him. Look at verse 27. Now there came to him some of the Sadducees who say there is no resurrection. Just wants to make sure that we got it. They're going to come with a ridiculous story. In fact, I want you to understand this. As they begin to tell this story, I'm sure that all the people listening were going, what? That's stupid. That couldn't happen. That thing couldn't happen. Why are they asking that question? Watch what the, question, what the story is. They questioned him saying, verse 28, they questioned him saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, having a wife, and he is childless, his brother should marry the wife and raise up children to his brother. Now they come to him with the story. Now they're going to the Torah, remember? They only hold to the first five books, and they're saying what Moses said. This is found in Deuteronomy. I just want to put it up here for you. Deuteronomy 25, verses 5 through 10, is this is a section called the Levirate Law of Man- marriage now here's what it said it said that if a man say a a man he's got some brothers and he gets married if he were to be married and he dies before he has any children it is responsibility of his brother usually the next oldest brother to marry her have a child and name him after the original dad that way the name wouldn't go out that that would keep his name going in the family of israel Now that means that if you had an older brother who got married, you took a good look at the one that his, that your brother's marrying, right? Because there is a possibility to what's going to happen to you. You may have to marry her. You may say to him, please live a long time. At least have a child, my gracious. Have a baby as quickly as possible. Then again, you may say, that's fine. But anyway, here's the deal. So under the Mosaic Law, that's what they said. They're quoting to Jesus the law. Now let me ask you this. They're trying to teach Jesus the Bible. They're saying, Moses taught us this. You know, Jesus could look at him and say, hey, I wrote it. You're not telling me anything. I already know it. And so this is the teaching. And so I want you to think back. Under the Mosaic Law, if a man is married, he dies, they have no children, his brother is to marry and raise up a child. That's the plan. Look at the story that they make up. Verse 29. Now there were seven brothers, and the first took a wife and died childless. Oh, and the second, same thing. And the third married her, and in the same way, all seven died, leaving no children. Now, as he's telling the story, it's pretty ridiculous. This man marries this woman. He dies without having a child. So the next brother comes along, and he dies without having a child. So the next brother comes along, and he dies. And the next brother, and the next brother, and the next brother, and the next brother. All of them marry this woman, have no children, and they all die. And then he says, and by the way, finally the woman died also. Now, the people listen to the story, and go, that isn't going to happen. I mean, that's stupid. But they think, think out Jesus, because see, they say saying, listen... Jesus teaches resurrection. We don't believe in resurrection. So we got this question for him. Now that these seven men all had married this one woman, what's their question? Finally, the woman died. And so here's the question. In the resurrection, therefore, which one's wife will she be? For all seven had married her. Well, the story's ridiculous, but they think they got him. Because, see, they don't believe in resurrection. They're trying to say, see how stupid resurrection would be? Because if there's resurrection, you've got seven husbands and one wife. How's that going to work? They think they got him. They think Jesus will go, boy, I never thought of that. That's what they think. They wanted to show problems of the resurrection. Now, let me tell you, as you know, we have the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and some of the Gospels give more details than others. The Gospel of Matthew tells us something that Luke doesn't tell us. Luke just gives an answer, tells us the answer, but Matthew tells us something. I want you to see this. In Matthew, in Matthew 22, verses 29 through 32, Jesus actually says two things to them. We'll see it even in this passage, but here's what he says to them. He looks at them and says, first of all, you don't know the Scripture. You don't know the Word of God, and you don't know the power of God. Now, I want you to understand that in front of all these people, what Jesus just said to them would be very embarrassing. These are the religious leaders. They're the ones that supposed to know everything, and they ask this question to Jesus, and he says to them, well, there's a problem here. Number one, you don't know the Scripture. And number two, you don't know God's power. That's very embarrassing for these religious leaders. So he says, you don't know the scripture, you don't know the power of God. So the first thing he's going to deal with is they didn't know the word of God. Look what he says. Verse 34, Jesus said to them, the sons of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy to obtain to that age and the resurrection of the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Now Jesus said plainly that in this day and time, in this age, people get married. That was the plan. God said, leave your father and your mother and cleave to your wife and become one flesh so that's the plan. But he says, but in the age to come, in the future, in the whole idea of the resurrection, and we're talking about here the eternal state which goes on for all eternity, he says in the eternal state there's no marriage or given in marriage. He says you don't understand the Scripture. You made up a stupid story to try to show what's going to happen when the truth is there's not marriage in the eternal state. Now for a lot of people, for us now, we think you mean I'm married, but, but someday I won't, you know, for all eternity I won't be married. No, you won't be. And, and he's going to go on and explain some of the things about it. But in the eternal state, there's not marriage or given in marriage. So the whole issue of how many husbands or wives does somebody have, that's not an issue. So he says that uh, the sons of this age, verse 34, marry and given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy to obtain to that age, to the future, to the resurrection of the dead, when we all come and go to the eternal state, there will be neither marriage nor given in marriage. Some people just say go to heaven when we're all in heaven. But the heaven, there's a new heavens and a new earth, Revelation 21 and 22, those chapters. Talk about the eternal state and a new new heaven, new earth and a new city, Jerusalem So it's, it's a little bit more complicated than just saying go into heaven But we'll just talk about it that way in the future There's not marriage or given in marriage That's, that's the plan And he said they don't know the word of God because there's no, there's no marriage I, I, There is no marriage, and I put it that way, in heaven, there's not and then he gives four things about this. And let me, let me just read it to you and we'll put it up on the screen. But it says, they cannot even die anymore because they're like angels and they're sons of God being sons of the resurrection. There are four things that he says. First of all, they cannot die. He's saying that once, once you die and there's the resurrection, you don't die anymore. You live forever. Second, he says you're like angels. When he says you're like angels, sometimes people have read this passage wrong. And they say, when you die, you become an angel. You don't become an angel. Human beings and angelic beings are two different things. He says you're like angels in the sense that angels don't marry or given in marriage. Angels don't have the family aspect and reproduce. In the eternal state, there won't be families and reproduction and that kind of thing. That's why he's saying you'll be like the angels. Then he says... We're sons of God, which means we have the eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. And then he calls them sons of the resurrection. I want you to understand something. You remember, they don't hold a resurrection, so he calls them sons of what? Resurrection. They don't believe in angels. And what does he said to them? You'll be like the what? The angels. He's jabbing them every time. He says, you don't believe in angels? You'll be like angels. You don't believe in resurrection? Sons of the resurrection. He's just getting them. And all the people are listening, and all of them are probably grinning because these religious leaders look like idiots standing there. And he said, you don't know the Scripture. That's your problem. Wow. There was a second thing, and that was they didn't know the power of God either. And they didn't understand that God is the God of the living, not the dead. When people die, that's not the end. Notice what he goes on to say. Verse 37, but that the dead are raised. Even Moses showed in the passage about the burning bush where he calls the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Now. They only held to the first five books of the Bible. So he goes back to Exodus, the second book of the Bible, and he quotes a passage about Moses, which they'd have to believe because that's the books they hold to. And he shows that Moses even talked about resurrection, that's showing that the dead are raised. Moses talked about how that the Lord, he called the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So you understand that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are still alive. And there's a resurrection coming for all of them. He is not the God of the dead But the God of the living. He said, y'all don't get it. You don't know the Bible because there's not going to be any marriage in in heaven. And you don't know the power of God because God is the God of the living, not the dead. When people die, that's not the end. They're alive. Their bodies go into grave. He's going to raise them up. Resurrection. People are still alive. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's not that he was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because they're still alive. And that's what he's trying to teach them. And so he answers their question by saying, first of all, you don't know the Bible. There is no marriage in heaven. And number two is you don't know the power of God because God is the God of the living, not the dead. They're alive now. Do you understand? that Jesus Christ has conquered death, that he died on the cross, paid for sin, and rose again. And every human being is going to exist forever because death is conquered. There will be people be raised from the dead, and they will exist forever, separated from God in what's called the lake of fire. The Bible calls that the second death. There will be those who have trusted in Jesus Christ to save it. They'll be raised from the dead to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. The Bible calls that eternal life. So understand that. Every human being is going to either have eternal life or the second death. If you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have eternal life and you'll be with Jesus forever. If you reject Jesus Christ as your Savior, you'll have what's called the second death and you'll be separated from God forever. But you're going to exist forever because God is the God, not of the dead, but of the living because of the power of resurrection. When Jesus died and rose again, he conquers everything death. Death is never the end. There will always be a bodily resurrection. Faith in Jesus Christ gives eternal life. There's a saying that says we have three great enemies, sin, Satan, and death. And when Jesus died and rose again, sin, death, and Satan have been defeated. There is life after death. He is the God of the living. How did they respond to this? Look at this. Now, just remember, it's the Sadducees who are asking the question. I want you to understand the scribes Sometimes called Pharisees, scribes, they, they don't like Sadducees. They never get along. The only time they ever get along is when they're both attacking Jesus. But now that he made the Sadducees look really bad, the scribes come over and go, good job, good job, you made them look stupid. Look what he says. Some of the scribes answered and said, teacher, you have spoken well. Because, see, the scribes believed in resurrection. They just didn't believe in Jesus. And the Sadducees didn't believe in resurrection, and they didn't believe in Jesus either. They were made, look, look at verse 40, they did not have courage to question him any longer about anything. They didn't. They didn't know what to do. They were made to look foolish again. They tried to trap him. He trapped them. They didn't know the Bible. They didn't know the power of God. So they don't want to ask him anything anymore. Now, we're going to see next week that they don't ask him any questions, but he does this. He looks at them and says, I've got a question for you. And he's going to ask them a question about the son of David. And we'll see it. It's a very powerful question. We'll see that next week as we go through it. What have we seen this morning? The religious leaders are trying to trap Jesus. They question about taxes. Should they pay him? He said, bring me a coin whose image is on it. What belongs to Caesar is Caesar's. What belongs to God is God. And we are made in the image of God. The Sadducees come and they have no, they don't believe in resurrection. So they have this ridiculous story. And he said, you don't know the Bible and you don't know the power of God. He said, there is no marriage in the future age and God is the God of the living. And they couldn't ask him any more questions so let me give you applications we'll go through it very quickly the first application is this let us offer ourselves in service to god let's do it let's take our lives and say god i want my life to count for you romans 12 1 i beseech you brethren, by the mercies of god to present your bodies as living sacrifices give your lives to god why a we are made in the image of god and we belong to him just in the way that coin he said what what whose image is on it caesar it belongs to him whose image is on you god's image we're made in the image of god so we belong to him and we should serve him and that's why number two is let us serve or be let us serve our creator let's the time that we have on this earth let's let our lives count for him number two understand the future resurrection understand all of this stuff because see the sadducees didn't hold to it but here's a great truth a all people will have a bodily resurrection all people exist forever Jesus Christ has conquered death. He is the God of the living, not the dead. One of these days, people are all going to be raised up. Some will be with him forever, eternal life. Some will be separated, second death. So all people are going to have a bodily resurrection. Number two, just or B, just to remember, there's no marriage in heaven. That's what, they didn't understand the scripture, and that's why they made up that ridiculous story trying to make it look bad. But the truth is, when we get to the eternal state, and I know it seems strange to us, especially if you've been married to the person for a long time, and you say, well, you mean I'm going to go through eternity, but I won't be married? No, the best we can tell you, you won't be married, but I'm sure that we'll all be brothers and sisters in Christ, and the real issue in the eternal state is going to be our relationship with Jesus anyway. And so, best we can understand, best Jesus taught it, there won't be marriage in the eternal state c believers will live forever with christ by faith in jesus christ you're going to be with him forever it's called eternal life so the last thing c uh, three is be ready to give an answer for what we believe be ready talk, be ready to talk about salvation be ready to understand these things you realize that when when the religious leaders ask him questions he asked things back to them, and they couldn't answer him he even said to him you don't know the scripture Well, you want to be able to give an answer. You want to know the Scripture. So study the Scripture. Get into our studies, our CBI in the fall, and our small groups where we can help equip the saints, do the work of the ministry, build up the body of Christ. You want to be ready to give an answer for the hope that is within you. You want to know the Word of God so when people bring questions to you or say statements that you can say, well, here's what the Scripture says. Because if somebody came up to you and said, we're going to be married forever, there's a group that teaches that families will be together forever, that families are eternal. Families are not eternal. That's a cult that teaches that. People are eternal. And we're going to have a relationship with Jesus Christ forever and a relationship with each other forever, but there's not going to be families and marriage in the eternal state. Jesus taught that. Just the opposite of what some other people taught. But, you know, if you're going to go by, go by what Jesus said, that's always right. Because we belong to God, may we offer our lives in service, being ready to defend what we believe, knowing that one day we will be resurrected to live forever forever with Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a great passage. Thank you for these great truths. Lord, we we offer our lives to you. And Lord, we, that is the goal and the plan and the dream that you, we've been made in your image. We belong to you. We want our lives to count for you. We want to serve you, Lord. May we understand about the future that uh, everybody's going to be raised from the dead and there'll be some who live forever with Jesus and some separated. Lord, we know that there won't be like marriage but there'll be a special relationships and Lord, we'll be with you forever. May we be ready to give an answer to everyone for the hope that is within us thank you Lord we ask this in Jesus name Amen